I'm Jacinta, if you don't know me, and um, I don't remember if anyone said already this evening, but um, at Renewal at the moment, we're going through the miracles of Jesus, so I'm excited to come and unpack in a slightly roundabout way um, a miracle this evening. And I just wanted to say first, because Renewal is a great time to be really real and share together, I, you know, some of you will know, I've been feeling a little bit down at the moment, not very good in my mental health. Um, and a lot of the time at the moment, I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning because I don't think there's much point. Um, which <laughs> is a low way to start, but it's supposed to be encouraging because I'm here. I'm here with all you guys, and I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> and... Um, Actually, I believe that, you know, not to say that we should always be like stiff upper lip and not say no to things if we need to, but actually I believe that God has something for me to say this evening and that's why, you know, when he gives us something to do, he has everyone in the world at his disposal. He could literally get anyone to do it. So if I'm on the rotor for tonight and I don't think that I should say no, like, okay, <laughs> I should be here. God's chosen me to be here. So we're going to trust and have faith that we're going to have a good time. Uh, keep having a good time, even. Um, okay, so we are looking at a miracle, if you want to turn in your Bibles or your phone Bibles, in John 4 from verse 43, and then we're going to kind of look at some of the context around it. And, yeah, it'll be a bit roundabout, but I think we can all follow along. We can all follow along with the... Uh, with the Bible's kind of like a big tapestry woven together, isn't it? So we'll jump about a bit, but that'll be fine. So, um, in my Bible, it's got the little title they put in, Jesus Heals an Official Son. After two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans, Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This is the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Um, okay. So, I mean, it kind of feels like, in a lot of ways, it's a self-contained story. We could just stop there and be like, amazing. He wasn't even there. And then it was at 1 p.m. Um, but I want to kind of delve into it a bit deeper because the first thing that was striking me when I was reading through this, and I was like, I need to figure this out if I'm going to understand what's going on here, is why does Jesus say, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe? Um, 
it seems like a, maybe a slightly harsh response to this guy who just wants his son to be well. Um, why is he saying you people? What's going on here? So I think that what is helpful is looking at what comes immediately before this passage. And it's the story of Jesus traveling in a different country or a different area, Samaria, and meeting a Samaritan woman at a well. And um, I think if we look at that, it kind of it all flows together and helps under, like explain this kind of the story of this miracle. So I'll go through it briefly. You may already know the story, you may not. Um, and I'm going to kind of jump around verses so you can follow along in your Bible if you want, but I might be like jumping a few verses just to try and for time. So I'm starting in John 4 verse 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. Um, he went to an area and Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I love all these practical parts as well in the Bible when it's like, oh yeah, they had to get lunch. You, do you ever watch a film and I'm like, when are they eating and going to the toilet? <laughs> and I love that this is just, you know, really real. Um, his disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So the disciples come back. The woman goes back to the town, leaving her water jar. And she says to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And down, skipping down to verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many be more became believers. 
They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So, thanks for bearing with that big old chunk of reading. Um, I, I used to be the nerdy person who wanted to read in school, and they were like, can we have a volunteer to read out loud? Um, so I don't mind, but hopefully you don't mind either. So we have the story of this um, kind of miraculous in a different way. It is miraculous because Jesus has this amazing divine discernment of what's gone on in this woman's life, even though he's just met her. Um, this one-on-one conversation with this Samaritan woman, and it's not someone, like it says, that usually her and Jesus would not usually have associated with each other. And she's in a foreign land. And then Jesus passes through this foreign land and comes to his own country. And verse 44 references that Jesus says, a prophet has no honor, or he references, I think, an earlier verse in the Bible, a prophet has no honor in his own country. And the Jews in Jesus' own country are quite excited to see Jesus. Um, I think there's a bit of hype because he's done some miracles at the Passover festival and they're like, what's he going to do next? Um, So when Jesus is asked to heal a man's son and he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. For me, it's, it's, it's speaking to more than just that one man. It's speaking to the people there. And it's providing a contrast between how he's been received by his own people and how he's been received in this foreign land. And I can't really understand, like, exactly who was there or why Jesus says the thing that he says you know there's a lot of times I'm like I don't know exactly why Jesus says that there but at first looking at it, I thought is he saying like miracles bad bad naughty you shouldn't be asking for miracles is he admonishing this man for asking for healing um but I don't think that that is quite it but I think there is something for us to learn here about um our attitude to Jesus and Ask our attitude to asking things from him and of his attitude to us. The Samaritan woman has this really intimate conversation with Jesus and she believes, you know, she, she believes him from his words and she goes and tells the other people and they believe and they urge him to stay and spend more time with them. And because of his words, many more became believers, it says, and their faith was strengthened by spending time with Jesus and by hearing from him. And in slight contrast this um, man at Cana he lives like I think I looked up and some things said it was kind of like eight hours walk away so he lives away away and he hears Jesus is at Cana and he goes to him to beg him for a miracle which he eventually receives but when I kind of read these two accounts and compare and contrast I'm thinking who would I rather be you know he just has this brief moment with Jesus and he goes and he receives a miracle um but the conversation between Jesus and this Samaritan woman is it's pretty frank and open and maybe a bit uncomfortable, but it is so tender and so intimate. Um, we don't see the people in Galilee and this man getting that same kind of experience with Jesus in the next passage. And I think what it's saying is that they're desiring the miracle more than they desire the one who brings the healing. I think there's a lesson for us, not that we shouldn't desire miracles at all. I'm not being like, cancel the uh, series on miracles of Jesus at renewal at all. But it's not that we shouldn't desire miracles, but that we should desire Jesus more. And that Jesus would rather spend time one-on-one chatting with us than just 
answering our prayers miraculously and then being like, you don't need me anymore. Um, it's such a beautiful story of him speaking with this woman and like, let's not ignore also the fact that it's one of these stories of a woman in the Bible and Jesus really having that intimate, tender moment with her um, that may have been like even frowned upon at the time. I mean, there's so much that we can unpack there um, and maybe we'll look at it in a different renewal. Um, but it's, it's beautiful and she's one of these lucky people who literally gets a moment with Jesus that is, there's not anyone else there. Like, there's a few people that Jesus has those one-on-one conversations with in the Bible, and I just feel like they're so lucky. And this is what we should desire. It's really easy for me to say this without actually having a sick child, but the man at Cana, should he actually have desired spending time with Jesus even more than he desired his child being healed? Like, it's not that we shouldn't desire our children to be healed, but in the grand scheme of things, when we can kind of look at this with hindsight, it's like, what should he have desired more? And it's really challenging to try and kind of wrestle with that. How do we desire Jesus above everything? Um, and I was thinking sometimes, sometimes I do, often, I get into the trap of like praying, just asking God for things, and then I'm like, naughty, stop. That's not what you're supposed to do. And, like, one good thing sometimes is, like, uh, being in charge of something like the youth group, and then you're, like, trying to teach about prayer, and you're like, oh, gosh, (laughs) I better be doing this stuff right. Um, But sometimes I'm like, okay, no, I shouldn't just be asking for stuff, but I don't get much further than that. I kind of am like, okay, that's what I shouldn't be doing, but I don't really move on to why shouldn't I be doing that. Actually, what is the greater thing? What is the thing that, you know, I don't want to have a vacuum. What replaces this? kind of pattern that I can fall into, what will bring a change? Do I imagine, I try and sometimes like reverse engineer my thinking, do I imagine that God only wants to discuss practical ways that he can help me? Like, I'm sure everyone here may have had that experience of talking to someone about something and you just want them to listen and they are like providing solutions. Uh, I am I am sure that I have been that person to many people here because I am the worst for being like, why don't you do this? Why don't I help with this? Like, what about this? Have you thought about this? And jumping in and not giving the time to just be like, this person doesn't want solutions, they just want to talk about this. Um, do we think that God is like that? Do we think he's like the person who's just, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here to offer solutions, I'm not really here to listen to how you are. Do we treat him like that in prayer? I mean, imagine coming to God and being like, this is what's going on and, and this is how I'm feeling about it. And he's like, yeah, 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 okay, what can I do for you? Like, tell me the practical things. Get to the point. What do you want me to do about it? So you can go away and we can stop talking. He is not like that. <laughs> but what is he like? And why do we maybe do... Is that, is that what we're kind of saying by the way we pray sometimes or by our attitude to God? We're kind of acting as if that's his attitude to us. So what is his attitude to us? I thought, let's go to good old Psalm 23. It's always good, good one to... So memorable, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, So like in this kind of sheep and shepherd here, the sheep isn't really making a lot of requests. And this psalm is like, is so not about efficiency and practicality and um, what's going to happen to the enemies. Um, You know, I'm sure there's many of you, it's like, you're very busy people. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, this is not about getting to the point, being efficient, getting things done, which is so how our kind of world or capitalism wants us to live. Um, This is this beautiful picture of dwelling together and Jesus is leading, refreshing, comforting, preparing, feeding. Um, Some of us went to a... um, Now I'm reading this in my notes. Why have I put this here? But, you know, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, A conference last year, and there was this speaker um, called Barb Roberts from Texas, and he was, like, very, very Texan. And um, he, at at one point, for all the wrong reasons, I wrote this down. I wrote it because it made me laugh, not because I thought was, like, paying attention properly. Um, But he was, like, saying how... We can't get more from God than what we can get now. Like, there's not kind of... He makes everything available to us now, and we can have eternal life with him right now. And we don't need to kind of work to get up some kind of pyramid scheme level. Um, And the way he said it was... This cow... No, that cow can't give no more. She done been milked. It really stuck with me. And then a while afterwards, I was like, it's also great content. Um, Sometimes we say, like, we should desire the giver, not the gift. But I think it's okay to desire the gifts. Um, It's okay to desire miracles, but we should have a greater desire for the giver and not lose perspective of what he gives us. Now I have to remember which part I come back to here. Ah, yes. Because miracles aren't, you know, they're not a bad thing. It's great studying the miracles. And because they're impossible things. And I love that God has created this world. He's made creation. He's made certain rules of, like, science and of our bodies that help us. Like, our bodies are amazing. Um, The world is amazing. We can put a foot forward, and because of gravity, like, it will go down, and we can move forward, and we just float away. Um, But in Testimonies of Miracles we see that God is happy to break his own rules and make the impossible possible just to reach in and like be involved in our lives and to care for us and show us love and compassion and ultimately to show us who he is because the ultimate way that he, like what this is all pointing to is that he kind of broke the most impossible rule which is that God is perfect and he can't be in contact with sin. Like he became a human And he took all our sins upon himself on the cross in order to conquer death, in order to enable us to be with him, 
to make us whole with him. And that's how we can have an intimate and real relationship with him. We can speak with him. We can spend time with him right now. Like that is the ultimate kind of miracle that he, that all of these other miracles point us to. I'm going to burp, sorry. Let's blame, blame the pregnancy gas on that one. Um, so also just to say that was like the quietest burp I've done in like two months. You're so lucky. Um, <laughs> anyway, and if you don't know this right now, remember, we're at the main point, Jacinta. Um, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't like have a relationship with Jesus right now, this, I mean, I urge you to speak to people around you at the end and get involved because this is what is available right now. God you know, this is the ultimate miracle and, it, and it's something that he just loves, you know, he loves to do. He loves to provide a relationship with him straight away. We don't need to, we don't need to wait. We don't even need to, like, the man in this passage walk home. It's like, it's here now. Um, in Matthew 9, 1 to 8, Jesus meets a paralyzed man and he says, am I doing okay for time? He doesn't say that. I say that. Okay, great. Um, he says to him... Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And the teachers of the law that are around feel pretty, like, riled up about this and outraged. And Jesus knows that. He sees into what they're thinking and says, Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. Jesus is like, well, which one's easier? I can do both. But what I want you to know and what I want you to remember is the greater thing, which is who I am, is that I'm not just here to do tricks. I'm here because I have this authority. I want you to know me and know who I am. We've been in a prayer month this January, and the greatest thing that we or any other person can have, no matter what we pray for, is a relationship with Jesus. Like... Not that there's no point in praying, but I mean, the greatest miracle is already provided to us. Um, in 1 Kings, there's a passage where Elijah, um, God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you. Oh, I didn't put a bookmark in it. Samuel, Kings, Kings, okay. He says... Mm, that he's going to appear to Elijah. I just feel like if I say it from my brain, I'll remember it wrong. Um, he says, go, go and stand on the mountain, and the Lord is about to pass by. A great and powerful wind comes, and it tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And some translations, I think, say like a still, small voice, don't they? When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And he meets with God. So God, you know, so many times in the Bible, he shows us like, yeah, I can do this. I can do the fire and the wind and I can do whatever. But I want to meet with you one-on-one. Um, and in the miracle of Jesus healing this man's son... His whole point isn't just to rebuke this man for asking for healing. Um, you know, I think he's kind of speaking to that bigger attitude that was going on. Um, and the man takes Jesus at his word. That's a really challenging verse for me. He just takes Jesus at his word. 
And he doesn't even have to get the whole way home before his servants meet him and tell him that his son's been healed. I mean, it reminds us of the story of the prodigal son, doesn't it? He didn't even have to get the whole way home before someone ran out and met him. And his son is healed and he believes. And that is grace. Like, that is God showing himself to him and to us. Um, It's not that we're not allowed to ask for things. He's not saying, just only ask me for things and don't talk to me or you're not allowed to ask me for anything. He's just saying, I love you, I care about you, I want to spend time with you, and I want to give you good gifts. Um, And, you know, there's going to be times when it's hard to get this right. I really struggle to get this right. It's really hard. There's a lot of things that I want right now, and I would just like my prayers to just be answered immediately. Um, People keep on telling me and my husband, like, you guys have got some amazing faith. And I'm like, okay, I do want amazing faith, but I don't really want to need to have it. (laughs) Like, I would just rather have a really easy life a lot of the time and just have all the stuff that I want. (laughs) Um, But actually, when I come back to reading these intimate moments like Jesus has with the Samaritan woman, other stories in the Bible, it reminds me and renews my desire for the one who loves me and reminds me that he's actually already given me everything. Um, and that is that is the greater thing. Um, so I want us to kind of remember and recenter ourselves around that desire for Jesus. Um, what a great word, Beth, about like, we don't need to let other stuff get in the way of this, our to-do list first. Um, Mary and Martha, there's that famous story of the two sisters. Mm. I'll read it quickly. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to an art came to him and asked lord don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself tell her to help me martha martha the lord answered you're worried and upset about many things but few things are needed or indeed only one mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her um and i think sometimes i don't know if anyone else has experienced this but sometimes this verse it it can be kind of we can use it as women to make ourselves feel guilty and be like, oh, no, I've done the wrong thing again. Or, like, just try and use it as a way, almost like a worldly message of, like, you're a woman, you have to do everything. You have to make all the preparations and sit at the feet of Jesus, and you need to get it all done. And this really should be something that does challenge us but really encourages us because, you know, maybe at that time it would even have been, like, not that normal it'd be like okay the women are the one that should be doing the work and Jesus is saying no even though I know you've got a to-do list which will never end um I would rather spend time with you and he's like even though you could like which one is it Martha Martha like I know you could cook me the most delicious meal but what I care about even more than that is just to spend time with you like he's like, I would rather sit in your house while your house is a mess and spend time with you than sit in a lovely, clean house without you. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's remember that, that 
that is Jesus' desire for us and that like feeds our desire for him um yeah I think I think that's all I have to say so we're gonna have another song um and just before that Jude and I thought we'd both kind of like share some stuff to lead us into this discussion afterwards things you might reflect on during the song um the only thought I had was like one good thing for discussion is I definitely don't feel like I have all the answers about how do we actually practically spend intimate time with Jesus how do I want to hear from mums I want to hear from all different kinds of people like what are your top tips for how we actually refresh ourselves and spend that intimate time with Jesus when we are busy or there is a lot of stuff going on in our heads or we're like mentally busy um and Jude also had some stuff that we thought might be kind of useful for ministering to one another and sharing with one another because it's a great time at renewal to just be really honest and have the time to do that wonderful thanks Jacinta um yeah we're gonna have a, a song just a standalone song now um just a moment to quiet our hearts and our minds we've heard some wonderful challenging and encouraging things there so just to kind of quiet our minds before God and let him speak to us and put his put his finger on things in our lives that he wants to um maybe deal with tonight um and then we're going to have a bit of time of discussion around tables or just with the person next to you if that feels more comfortable <clears throat> sorry I've got a frog in my throat um <clears throat> no no thank you <laughs> um and um, so one of the things we can discuss is just, yeah, practical things about what that looks like to spend time with Jesus. Um, as I was praying before I came this evening, I just felt God speak to me about perhaps there being a person or some people who might fit into one of two groups tonight. And so one group might be um, some people or a person who really <clears throat> desires closer intimacy and looks for it in the relationships around them maybe in their marriage relationship or if they're not married maybe really kind of thinking if I was married um, then you know that would satisfy this need for intimacy um, and wonderfully God does give us one another um, and that you know for relationship and for closeness and that's beautiful but I just really felt God speak to me about actually um, you know he's the one that only will fully satisfy that need for closeness and intimacy and let's look to him for it first and foremost and take the pressure off those relationships around us so that was the first group and then the second group um, or person was um, actually kind of the opposite of that that sometimes intimacy can feel really scary and sometimes close earthly relationships have been harmful or hurtful and so the desire of God knowing and see the you know the whole deal of God knowing and seeing and wanting to be close um, can feel quite scary and I just felt God really wants to bring healing there tonight so that the the um the joy of an intimate relationship with God can really be enjoyed. Um, so yeah, does that make sense? So as we sing, we will stop talking now. As we sing, let's let God minister to us and then we'll have some discussion time. Okay. <laughs> 